0: Welcome to part one of HealthSystemCIO.com's Chime Update with Russ Branzell, President and CEO. In this segment, Branzell talks about the recent MU announcement and the course corrections that need to be made to stay on track, the game-changing question that Peter Diamandis posed to Chime's board, and why he believes a contest was the best way to accelerate the industry. Hi Russ, thanks as always for taking some time to speak with us.
1: Thank you for having us today.
0: Sure. So a lot of things to talk about, but um, due to what's gone on in the last couple of days, I wanted to start uh, by talking about meaningful use. Um, obviously, some pretty big news came out earlier this week, and um, that, that meaningful use uh, is going to be replaced by something better. It's uh, a, a little vague right now, and I know we're waiting for more information, but just wanted to get um, a little bit of your interpretation of uh, the news that's hit.
1: Well, you can go a lot of different directions, and you can be uh, you can be everything from an extreme skeptic to a, an ultimate optimist. I'm going to probably err more on the optimistic side of this is uh, I think the government, in particular HHS, CMS, and ONC, have been listening to the feedback that had been given by lots of different constituency groups, uh, whether they're representing physicians or, in our case, the the IT leaders for hospitals and medical groups and physicians themselves, and, and I think as you look at that, they've heard that feedback and they're looking for some opportunities to improve this. I, I think the way it was laid out this this last week um, by CMS Administrator Slavitt, it, it really was uh, intended to be, we've heard you. We're gonna be moving some programs in some different directions, some alignment, things of that nature, uh, and continue to look at what the next phase of HIT adoption in the country is to help continue to digitize and transform the industry. I don't think it was intended, like some maybe in the industry might be projecting it, is that we're all doom and gloom and this program needs to be shut down tomorrow. I think it was a, a statement of natural, um, maybe, a little bit more than evolutionary change, maybe the next step of revolutionary change um, of what should come next after this, uh, as we hopefully fix the things that maybe didn't go as well, lessons learned in phase one and two, uh, as we probably or possibly roll into phase three, depending on the organizations that are out there. Uh, But also, this was really formed well over a decade ago. What should be, now that we're at the point we are at, what should be the next major logical steps? And that should be a natural uh, transition to uh, things that maybe we're not even thinking of uh, to not only revolutionize and digitize the industry, but also the care processes and the things of the industry. Telemedicine wasn't even mainstream 10 years ago. Now, how does this all affect telemedicine? Things that, it's just examples like that.
0: Yeah. It, it certainly seems to make sense as moving a little bit away from the, the regulations that, that were put, in, put into place um, to, to get this thing started and uh, allow for the, the progress that we have seen in five years, which really is pretty amazing when you think about it.
1: Yeah, the adoption curve that we've seen is, is really, one, we have to give credit where credit's due. You know, the stimulus bill that was put in place and the subsequent bill to adopt technology did serve its purpose. Uh, We have seen a radical leap forward in digitization in the industry. Uh, Probably what we didn't do real well was learn from the mistakes along that journey and make course corrections as well as we could to keep us on that true north journey. But we also aren't so far off that we need to scrap the whole thing. We just need to make the appropriate course adjustments and program changes.
0: Great. And do you see more focus on uh, payment reform and and accountable care and uh, kind of, you know, tweaking the program in that regard
1: Well, I think the real question is, is what's the cart cart, and what's the horse on this, and what should come before the other? I think you have to continue down a path of um, technology-based digitization, and we need to continue down that plan of what those things are to ensure we've connected across the industry. Um, Things such as exchange and standards and what we're working on with patient identification to ensure the smooth transition of information and patients throughout the system, so that technology side needs to continue. At the same time, to encourage changes in the overall care process, that needs to be paired up with other programs such as payment reform, uh, a focus more on both individual and population-based health programs to switch us out of the continual fee-for-service model that won't change until payment models start changing dramatically. And so we know that it has been said at every conceivable convention um, and speech now given probably for the last five years, yeah. that until you see monumental payment reform, you're not going to see models of care change dramatically. But we are starting to see that occur. We're seeing people take on risk. Uh, we're seeing people take responsibility for populations. And so we're starting to see that change a little bit. But until it comes mainstream, we're not going to see as much Um, of that occur until payment dramatically changes.
0: Right. And, of course, the other huge piece of this, as you just briefly touched on, is patient identification. And this has really been um, such a huge focus for CHIME and um, a nice segue to talk about uh, the National Patient ID Challenge and where that stands right now.
1: Yeah, we're very excited about this. as, As we looked at this really almost three or four years ago, when we looked at what the stumbling blocks were, to everything from exchange to data aggregation for patients to whatever we needed to do. We just knew this was a fundamental issue that needed to be solved at some point. Uh, And working with our federal leaders, our private sector leaders over the last several years, we realized there was not gonna be a very strong push, if at all, given the constraints that are there at the federal government to start solving this problem. And maybe it shouldn't be a federal government solution. Maybe it should be in the private sector So, working with Peter Diamandis, if you recall, one of our speakers um, at one of our events last year, he uh, spent some time with our board and spent some time with some of our CIO leaders and asked the question, what are those big problems that you need to fix in your industry that really would be a catalyst for rapid change and revolutionary change out there to really spur innovation on in a different way than your traditional models? And to a person, they all said patient identification. Uh, Until we solve that problem, we hinder ourselves at almost every conceivable level uh, of information management, information exchange, and really at patient care level, uh, we reduce our ability to be successful. And he said, well, then why don't you fix it? And it was a pretty strong challenge to our board. And so that's when we got with them and said, what would a challenge look like? And so we're at a great point. We've been working now for almost a year on this. Uh, we're at the point right now where we will formally announce and launch the challenge uh, in which that will begin the process of people working on the solution, uh, organizations working on a solution uh, to start the process in which we will hope almost a year later uh, we will be able to award uh, not only the challenge prize but more importantly uh, we'll have made great strides if not solve the patient identification solution challenge uh, in issues we have across our country.
0: Okay. So from from that conversation with, with Peter Diamandis, is that how uh, HeroX became involved?
1: It is. Um, if if you've looked at any of the stuff that's ever happened out in, in just kind of the macro industry, uh, they've really spurred some amazing technology and innovative changes going on there. And so that really got us thinking of a different way than the traditional, let's wait for the next 15 or 20 years for this to be solved um, in a normal way. Uh, industry maturation process, we said, let's create a way to make this happen fast because we need to solve it fast, first and foremost for our patients and the caregivers across this country, but also just the inefficiencies and waste of money that's going on that's out there. And so, yes, they really did serve as a catalyst for us and and a great challenge, Uh, and our board took that very seriously. Um, and spent a lot of time in deep thought and a lot of time in conversation about ways we can work on this and solve this other than just traditional advocacy in Washington. And so this really is how this was launched uh, from an idea now to in full fruition. Um, and we've been working on it for months from criteria and all that, but we launched into full concept blitz uh, starting here on Tuesday.
0: And um I, I know it's it's hard to predict what's going to happen, but would you be surprised if uh, companies and individuals from other industries outside of healthcare get involved?
1: So I haven't seen all the names I've been told that almost three hundred individuals up to some of the largest organizations in the world have put their names in to at least receive the information if not com- um, compete in the competition yeah. um, and the challenge that's there so and many of them are outside the traditional healthcare IT arena. Matter of fact, I would think a majority of them are probably outside the, health, the traditional healthcare IT arena um, mm-hmm. that are there. And again, I don't want to give any names of the few that I know just because of along the way I've heard their names. Um, but I will tell you, it's it's some of the most big and complex problem solvers in the world. And I think that's really what we wanted. Those people, whether they are the mom-and-pop shop in a garage that may have the answer and we just don't know it to the biggest and most complex um, intelligence-based organizations out there that solve problems like this on a daily basis. And so uh, we're very optimistic that given the, the slate of people interested in participating in this and solving this problem that we will get to a good point through this process.
0: It should be interesting to see. And it does generate uh, excitement when you structure it that way. And, you know, at at some point you have these are the finalists. And I I think that it's interesting that uh, Chime chose to do it that way.
1: I think part of it is we're we're just looking at how could we do this, that this wasn't a long-term solution. This was a catalyst to accelerate the industry and to reduce the burdens of exchange and care that are out there today, and and this was the most logical way for us to to do it. Um, and and they've been great partners, so we're we're very very excited about working with them. But more importantly, excited about launching this formally
0: next week. All right. So with the uh, new year starting, there's always uh, a lot of new things, and um, you have uh New Board of Trustees Chair, uh, Mark Probst, and um, he's a name that, that everybody is familiar with, but uh, just wanted to get some words for you about, uh, you know, why he was chosen and, and why you think he, uh, he's going to excel at this position.
1: Well, obviously, Mark is a, is a great leader, and not only within Chime, but within his organization and the industry as a whole. Uh, we're blessed to obviously have an incredible board. Just to get on our board is quite a competitive process. Uh, where sometimes we have as many as 25, 30, 40 individuals that have put their name in uh, for just three spots each year. And so just the competitive nature of getting onto the board means we're going to have really the cream of the crop, the best leaders in the country there. And then um, both good and bad, um, you have to pick one uh, to be chair. So that's even a competitive process in itself. But we're fortunate that in our really their last full year on the board, Uh, All three of our most senior uh, CIO group, uh, Mark and two others, get to be the officers of the board. So one's the chair, one's the secretary, one's treasurer, and all are significant leadership roles. Mark, in particular, obviously, is a great leader in our industry. Uh, He's already proven over the last two years of being on the board really what a great leader he can be to help us uh, drive some of these programs forward. He's a great spokesman for us. Uh, We've been blessed, as long as I've been involved with Chime now, almost 20 years, to always have great chairs and really great boards, but really great chairs that are willing to give personal time uh, to find a balance between their crazy jobs and their organizations and their personal life, but to somehow give us the amount of time we need to do the things that need to happen across the industry. And Mark will be a great, great champion for Chime out in the industry, uh, has already proven that. Um, and just some of the interviews and some of the things that have occurred, even in the first few weeks of this year, uh, we even put him to task late last year on a few things as well in his new chair role. So we're very we're very blessed to have Mark in his position.
0: Yeah, and he's somebody who really seems like uh, he uh, walks the walk uh, when it comes to innovation. I know it's such a huge priority at, at Intermountain and. Um, I'm sure that that's, that's a good influence <laughs> and not that Chime isn't already focused on it but really having somebody who's who has such a track record with, with fostering innovation
1: yeah that's absolutely true he's he's always pushing the envelope they have their own innovation center uh, there's lots of work being done within the Intermountain system to transform care to reduce population health variation there's just I'm very spending getting to spend quite a bit of time with him over the last In particular, six weeks. Obviously, at a board level for the last couple of years, but I've got to spend a lot more time with him over the last six weeks, Uh, and it's obvious the passion that he has, not just about the technology. And the technology, let's admit, is fun. It's fun to work with. It's fun to 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 try to use. But most importantly, he has a deep passion to change healthcare. Uh, He, just like myself, have their own family stories. of pretty significant family issues and we both have a pretty strong passion to change health care for the better
0: Yeah, great look forward to, to speaking with him and working with him and who, who are the other two uh, CIOs you, you had mentioned before
1: uh, so the the secretary for this year is Kara Babichikos at okay. a Partners Healthcare and our treasurer for this year is Neil Ganguly at a JFK and then our chair elect for this year is Liz Johnson, who will become the chair next year as we come in. So that kind of makes up our officer slates with Chuck Christian being our past chair who takes over the foundation.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com podcast.